wondering, is there anyone here that needed to be rescued at some point in their life? Maybe you've been stuck on the side of the road somewhere just hoping for somebody to come along and to save you. Maybe it's somebody who recognized you're in a dangerous situation and they were able to take you out of that situation so that nothing bad would happen to you. But one of the things that I've recognized when it comes to being rescued is is that I prefer being rescued, but there are times where I'm not really all that interested in the journey that gets me to that point of being rescued. Do you, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure that with uh, those, those uh, boys and the coach that were stuck in the caves over in Thailand, I'm sure that they wanted nothing more to be in a safe spot, to be dry, to have food and water, But they had to go through this incredible, grueling process of swimming underwater and and being tethered with somebody. And if they didn't go through that part of it, then they never would have been rescued and being safe and and secure. And sometimes I want the warm and snuggly of being safe and secure, but I don't want to go through the journey to get there. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit of a story on how I got injured. Uh, I used to be a football player. I don't do that anymore, mostly for my benefit. But there are times when you're playing football and you're in practice and you're in a drill with somebody. And the goal is is to work on your technique. And the unfortunate part is, is you have all of these Uh, personalities that are like, I'm here to conquer, I'm here to conquer. And they don't know what it means to go half speed. And so here you are, you're going half speed, and then you are up against somebody who is just as big as you are, but they're going full speed. And so that's what happened with me, is is I was practicing with a guy named Freddy. Freddy was another large mammal like me. He was under six feet tall, but he was somehow well over 300 pounds. And so he had a low center of gravity. He knew how to hit you really low. And he knew how to move people who were really big. And so I already was a little cautious about the, with this guy. But I made the mistake of going half speed. And he went full speed. And so I couldn't get my body in front of him. The only thing that I can get in front of him was my pinky. And my pinky didn't strike him in the shoulder. It didn't strike him in the sternum. Where did it strike him? Right in between his face mask. And so now a man who is used to moving 300-pound people with no problem whatsoever only has the resistance of my pinky. Guess who won in that situation? It wasn't my pinky. And so now my pinky is no longer straight. And so you have your fingers, you hold it out like that, they go straight, right? Well, here's my pinky. It's off to the side and it's up. And so this is not a good situation. I go, ah, I'm jumping up and down. And then suddenly it stopped hurting. And I didn't understand how that was. Maybe it was adrenaline or something like that. But I'm looking down and there's something unsettling about seeing something, a part of your body that is terribly, terribly wrong but there's no accompany, uh, there's no urgency that is connected to it. And so you're wondering, should I be concerned about this or not? It's not hurting, but there's something wrong here. 
And I think that there are times in life where we look at something that is in our life that is terribly, terribly wrong. Sometimes we have sin. Sometimes we have uh, some unhealth that is in our lives. And instead of having this sense of urgency to go to somebody to be rescued from it, instead we find ourselves wallowing in it. We become comfortable, we become desensitized, and we're willing to endure all of this stuff that is wrong because we're afraid of taking the steps forward to being rescued and being delivered. And so I did what every man does when I was told to go to the doctor. I said, I don't need the doctor. I still don't like to go to the doctor. But here at this moment, I find myself in a very silly situation. My finger's facing this way. I don't want to go to the doctor. I finally go, and when I go there, the doctor says, I can fix your pinky just like that, and it will be right again. And it was exactly what I wanted to hear, right? Here's the problem. Take me right to the solution. Don't tell me anything about the middle. Just take me right here. And then he spoke. He said, I can do this, but you have to promise that you will not punch me. (laughs) What do you mean by that? Why would I punch you? I'm not going to punch you. Are you sure? I'm not going to punch you. And then he starts to reach for my pinky. Now, have you ever agreed to something that sounds really good in your head, but then it's time for action and you get a little nervous? I got very, very nervous. He starts to reach out, and I go, wait a minute, wait, 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 what are you going to do? Now, what, what, what am I expecting at this moment? I'm asking a doctor who's the only one in that room who can fix my pinky, please fix this, and now when he's going to go and fix it, I, I want to know what he's going to do. Like, it, was, was I expecting him to cut it off and put it on his wall? because he collects pinky, because he's a pinky monster? No, that's not what he's going to do. He's going to fix it. But here I am, I'm resisting him, I'm doubting him. He says, what I'm going to do is is I'm going to grab a hold of your pinky, and I'm just going to jerk it back into place. This man has a medical degree. His solution, I'm just going to grab it and jerk it. Oh, okay, I could have done that. Why am I coming to you for? Uh, Maybe he has the angle, I don't know, but I'm going to let him do this. He goes and jerks it. It doesn't go in the first time. He jerks it again. It doesn't go in the second time. The third time, it finally gets its way back there. Now, all throughout that process, had I known that that was how it was going to be, I would be even more reluctant. But you know what? At the end of all of that, my pinky was straight. It was perfect. It was fine. And so there are times in life where I think we have to be open to the highs and the lows of, the res- of God's rescue in our lives, but we have to recognize that sometimes we may have to go through something unpleasant first. Perhaps you find yourself in that situation today where you recognize that you need God to rescue you in your present situation. You recognize that there's something that is not right. But for whatever reason, you've been holding off and letting God fix it. 
Today, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, even right now at this moment, to say, let me fix it. Let me rescue you. You might have to go through some unpleasantness first, but I promise you, I will take you to this low point in your life and I'll put you into this high place where you can trust me, you can recognize who I am, I'm here to deliver you, I'm here to heal you, I'm here to bring you life the way nobody else can. Perhaps today is the day where you will let God rescue you once again. Will you turn with me to the book of Micah? The book of Micah is in the Old Testament. It is one of the prophetic books. I find myself when I read the Old Testament, I'm really good at reading the book of Genesis. I'm really good about reading the book of Exodus. I'm really good about 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. Maybe a little bit of Psalms and Proverbs. But when it comes to some of the prophetic books and when it comes to the book of Leviticus, um, for whatever reason, I haven't read as much of that in the Old Testament. And it's kind of a shame. I, I, I feel ashamed admitting that. But it is just as much a part of God's word. And there is really good things in the prophetic books. And I find that if we only read them, we'll find uh, that there's some good stuff in there. And so when you take a look at the book of Micah, um, let's take a look at some of the context of the book of Micah. When, when, the, when the book was being written at the time of Micah's life, the, nation, the Jewish people was, they, they were originally, they were one nation. But for sin and because of division, they found themselves with a divided kingdom. So you had the northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and you had the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. And both of them had separate kings, and so they, each one would have a king that would rise up, and sometimes they would do good in terms of following the Lord, and sometimes they would not be as good, and they would be focused on themselves and power or whatever, and they would, they would lead the nation into ruin. And so they would go back and forth, back and forth. And so here, Micah lived in the southern kingdom, but he wrote a prophecy that was geared towards both the northern and the southern kingdom. So he is addressing all of God's people here. So when you read the book of Micah, realize that he's writing to all of the, of the Jewish people. And some, and some of the things that... Um, that we have to consider as well is, is that he was alive at the same time as the prophet Isaiah, as well as other prophets. In fact, that was some of the people that he wrote to, is, is he wrote to some of the prophets and how they weren't doing their job. And so Isaiah was a very public figure. He would at times be in palaces and he would address royalty. Micah lived out in the sticks and he would he would minister to regular, ordinary people. And some of the things that he would see is, is he would see how some regular, ordinary people were sometimes being overlooked in the everyday, day-to-day -day things of, of the kingdom. And so some of the things that he would call out the nation of Israel on is, is that he would call them out on their selfishness. And basically what he was saying was is that you guys are so focused 
on building bigger and better things. You are so focused on your houses being new and, and more resources and getting more land that you have forgotten what, how you got this. You have forgotten how God himself gave you this land. God himself gave you the ability to provide for yourself. And instead of honoring God and recognizing his role in your life, you have taken upon yourself to say, look what I have built. And so now I'm building more and more things, and it's not enough. So what I do is I go to this guy over here who can't defend himself, and I'm going to take what was his and make it mine. And so I'm going to start stealing other people's resources. And I'm going to start accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. And here we have people all throughout the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and they're building and building and building, and none of it is for God. None of it is for his purpose. None of it is to honor him. It was to honor themselves. And all throughout this process, they were not only dishonoring God, but they were failing to love each other. Here, they're supposed to be God's people. And here, they're sniping at one another. Here, they're looking to level up on one another. And who cares if they're stuck in the gutter? I'm not going to lift them up. I'm too busy building up my own things. Sometimes I feel like we do that in the church where we get focused so much on doing our own thing and making sure that we are a success in whatever God has called us to, that we are sprinting right past people that need, to come, need us to come alongside them, encourage them, and to build them up. Sometimes I feel like there are some church organizations that are really good at reaching out to the poor and to the downtrodden, but they are perhaps failing in some of the things that are biblical and standing for good biblical principles that are found in the Bible and they've compromised. And yet we have found that there are other folks that are really good at proclaiming at what the Bible says, but they are terrible when it comes to reaching out to the poor and to the downtrodden. And in reality, the Bible says that we have to do both. We can't have this back and forth here and there. Well, that side will do this and this side will do that. Why can't we do both? Why can't we say, this is what the Bible says when it comes to homosexuality, this is what the Bible says when it comes to life, but, oh, by the way, since we care about life so much, why can't we reach out to the poor and to the downtrodden? Well, because they've done this, this, and this. Who cares? Because if we are really keeping score here, we would all be in terrible, terrible trouble. Jesus Christ reached out to us while we were sinners, as we were sinners. So if we are full of sin, if we are in need of a rescue, why do we hold ourselves up and puff ourselves up so much and say, this is what the word of God says, but then ignore the poor and the downtrodden? It's unnecessary. It is evil. Perhaps it is time for us to once again hear the voice of God say, let me rescue you. Let me rescue you from yourself and be a part of rescuing others. In Micah 3.8, 
We see Micah's reasoning for writing. He says, but for, as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he was empowered to say, you guys are full of sin. Part of the low parts of his rescue is him calling us out on our stuff. It's us recognizing that we need a savior. We need a rescuer. Throughout the book of Micah, it goes back and forth between you have sinned and you have judgment to God is good and he's going to rescue you. He's, you're sinned and, you need ju- and you're going to have judgment and God's going to rescue you. And part of the things that was brought up as Micah was declaring uh, gloom and judgment was that you have built all this stuff up on your own and you have taken pride in it, but guess what? I have given it to you, so now I'm going to take it away. And I'm going to take it away not to be a jerk, but to basically take it away so that you stop trusting in it. I'm going to take it away so that you can finally say, now I don't have a single thing in the world except for God. And I'm going to take it away by having the Assyrians come. They're going to take over the northern kingdom. They're going to hit Jerusalem. And then 80 to 100 years later, Babylon is going to rise up and they're going to take care of everything and ship you out. Now, if I were to know that, there's no way that I would want to be rescued that way. I would have said, God, can't you just forgive me? Just forgive me. I'll be good, I promise. Because that's always worked in the past. I screwed up. If I try even harder, I'll be better. That doesn't work. Why? Because we're human beings. And history has taught us but nothing, but if we do things on our own, we're eventually going to mess it up. That's why we need a rescuer. So here, when we take a look at Micah chapter 4, verses 9 through 13, we'll see a little bit of how God is going to bring, bring the Jewish people under his submission, but then he's going to talk about a rescue. Starting with verse 9. Now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? The pain, that pain seized you like a woman in labor? Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor, for now you shall go from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon. There you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Now many nations are assembled against you, saying, Let her be defiled. Let her eyes gaze upon Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan that he had gathered them as sheaves to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron, and I will make your hooves bronze, and you shall beat into pieces many peoples and devote their grain to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord, the whole earth. Now, you take a look at that passage, and it seems unnecessarily violent. <laughs> Where it seems like God say, you're going to rise up, and you're going to uh, sift them like wheat, and... All their wealth is going to be taken away from them. (coughs) Excuse me. I think I need water. (laughs) And unfortunately, I have no water. (laughs) But uh, that's fine. I don't need water. But um, we have, 
We have got, oh. Thank you. <laughs> that was glorious. It felt like straw was rubbing up against each other in my throat. And obviously that's not what you want. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, but, so when we see at the end of that passage, we have to take into consideration again the context. He's talking about the nation that is being, that will be, have everything taken from it. A nation where everyone is going to be against it. And he says, a reason why I did this is so that you can put your focus on me once again. But don't worry, after I do that, I'm going to give back to you everything that has been taken. And all the people that are against you, they're not going to matter anymore. It's kind of like that verse that says that if God is for us, then who can be against us? What does it matter if anyone's against us? And so here we see in this passage, God saying, I'm going to take you away. But don't worry, I'm going to bring everything back. It's the highs and lows of his rescue. And I, and I think that there are times that if we are willing to embrace the low stuff, then, then we can undergo the transformation of where God transforms us into something that is better and higher. Let's take a look at this video. Look at this. You can smell it. You can smell it. Look. It's okay. Look, look. He's gonna bite it, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it quickly, okay? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. He's a good boy. It's okay. It's okay. No, I missed, I missed, I missed. Wait, wait. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. That's the other way to you. The, the, the ear is in there. Yeah, it's, it's fine. So it's fine. Thick. It's fine. We'll have it all videotaped on his website. You can see. Oh, boy. Oh, Pokemon. Is that the name of the company? That's the name of Eldad's group. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just it's terrible. But El, you can go on Hope for Paws and look at Eldad has a ton of new business. This is what he does. He goes out and shapes dogs like this all the time. Oh. He's in very good hands. Yeah, it's a girl. It's a girl. It's close to the craziest I've ever seen. Seen worse, oh. but. You want to videotape that? Look, it's like three levels. So. Her foot's down here. Yeah. And this is not even, this is just madding. Oh, this yet. is, yeah, this is. She's been out for a long time. Oh, sweet. Good girl. No. You want me to hold the camera while you do it? Yeah, no, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. I like, I like this. Ready? Dolly. 
sit. Shake. Oh, good girl. <laughs> She's keeping it up. That video has all the emotions in it. I don't know how many of you know this, but I like dogs. And so seeing videos like that, there are times where I find myself torturing myself as I watch YouTube videos of dogs being rescued and stray dogs that are like that. And one of the things that struck me about that is how much hair that dog lost. It looked like this big dog, and then you take all the hair away, and it's this little lap dog, and that's amazing to me. But I think that there are times where God's just waiting to rescue us, and we're so hurt and we're in such pain that we don't want to let God anywhere near us. And so we bite and we lash out. And all the while, God's just there saying, just let me put this leash on you so that I can take you to where you will be fed, you'll be clean, you'll be whole again. Some of us have spent far too much time in darkness, far too much time without joy. And if we only allow ourselves to be rescued by God, we can know what joy is once again. All we have to do is trust that Jesus is going to do what he says he's going to do. Thankfully, there's good news. There's good news today. If we take a look at the very first part of chapter 4, we saw the end part, but if we look at the first part, we see the ultimate rescue taking place, where there will no, be no longer a need to be rescued, that once we'll be rescued, we'll be rescued once and for all. So if you turn with me to Micah chapter 4, starting with verse 1, we'll take a look at it verse by verse. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it. Isn't it interesting that in this right here, if you are having a problem today, if you are struggling today, if you find yourself in the pit of misery today, there is one simple solution to that. Just look up. Lift your eyes up into the heavens, look up to God Almighty, and he will deliver you. It says here, in the latter days. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the end times, but in the context of this passage, it is. The end times meaning when Jesus comes back and there's no more sin, and he establishes and rules his kingdom forever and ever. And the, uh, the other part of this, of being the latter days, is that there's no set time to it. It's sometime in the future. And, that's, and for somebody like me, that's not comforting. It's, okay, it's going to happen sometime. Oh, great, I'm just going to be walking on pins and needles until this happens. And that's not the point that, that God is trying to make here. The point he's going to make is sometime in the future, you're not going to have to worry about this anymore. I'm going to come, I'm going to establish my kingdom, and it's going to be higher than anything else. There's nothing that's going to compare to it, nothing that is even going to rival it. It is going to be higher and established forever and ever and ever. 
So if we are looking today at all of the things that can grab our attention, could I suggest to you, stop looking horizontally and just look up. Look up to God Almighty because he is the only thing that can give you life and to give you hope. Some of these things can be helpful, but at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ and whether he has rescued you or not. Verse 2, and many nations shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountains, mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that, he may walk, that we may walk in his paths. And for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So here's something that is, that, that is helpful. It's one thing to say, I'm going to rescue you. But it's another thing to say, this is how you get there. Isn't that, isn't that encouraging? It would be cruel for him to say, I'm here to rescue you. Hope you find me. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? It would be cruel. But here, God says, I'm here to rescue you. And it's just so that you know, here is how you can get here. I can be found here. And some of the ways that we can find God in his rescue is found in his word. His God-breathed word, the heart and the mind of Christ that says, this is how you find Jesus the rescuer. So if you're looking today for, for to be rescued, come to the mountain of the Lord. Come to God himself. Come to the word that says, this is how you can find me. Otherwise, you're just found just looking around, hoping you find it. Instead of just looking around, instead of hoping, why don't we just go to the word? Why don't we just come to the thing that God has given us himself? It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of us today need to consider that we need to think or we need to change the way we think about things. Our heart needs to be changed. The only way that's going to happen is, is if we read, if we bring ourselves to the bread of life, to the word of God. The second thing that we, we can uh, rely on as far as teaching us his ways is the Holy Spirit. It says in the Gospel of John that the Holy Spirit will not only lead and guide you into all truth, but he will speak to your hearts concerning sin and judgment. He will tell you what is right and what is wrong. He will speak to you, even right now. So the question is, if you're not hearing the voice of God, then you have to ask yourself why that is, because he is speaking. And if he is speaking... He is directing you, and so if you find yourself in a place where you're without direction, it is because you have ignored the only voice that matters. All of the voices that are speaking out there today, all of the voices, whether it's from social media, whether it's from, uh, from television, whether, wherever it might be, you have all of these voices speaking into your life, but the only voice that can bring you to the ways of the Lord is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. If you're not hearing the voice of God today, would you ask 
for him to turn down the volume of all these other voices so that you can finally hear him. He's speaking. It's a question or not whether or not we're willing to listen to what he has to say. Let's take a look at these last few verses. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk away, each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of our Lord God forever and ever. This is a passage that talks about at the end times where God will come back and he will rule and reign forever. And one of the benefits of him ruling and reigning forever, since nobody can match his power, since nobody can match what he can give, everyone will stop fighting. He will bring into submission everybody. There will no longer be need for war. We won't read in the headlines that Iran did this and North Korea did that and ISIS did this and all this other stuff. There will be no reason for anyone to be afraid. All the, all the media that is out there, newspapers won't have anything to write about. News, news stations will shut down immediately because they won't have to make anyone afraid anymore because the only thing that matters is Jesus Christ is here and he's ruling and reigning forever and ever. This is something that was foretold in many other prophets. Zechariah chapter 14 verses 4 through 7 talks about how Jesus will come down and his feet will literally touch the ground and the mountain will split. In Acts chapter 1 verse 11, it talks about when Jesus was ascending into heaven after his resurrection. He ascended into heaven and the messengers that were, that were greeting Jesus spoke to the crowds and said, as you have seen him leave, he will come back exactly the same way. See, Jesus is coming back to establish his kingdom and to ultimately rescue all of humanity. And the reason why that's important for us to consider today is, is that this isn't it. So if you're here and you're successful and you're happy, guess what? It gets even better. So would you consider trusting Jesus Christ so that when he comes, you're ready? If you're in a place of misery, guess what? It's not going to be this way forever. Christ is coming back, and he is going to restore to you all the things that you have missed all your life. You have to trust him today to rescue you. As we ask him to come up to, to play for a bit. Let's consider what is our response to this? What is our response to this? At the end of this, this is no different than any other story in the Bible. It is humanity has screwed up and God has rescued humanity in spite of ourselves. 
And he has given us far more than we could ever deserve. And so today, as we read all of this, our response has to be one of not only recognizing what it says, but the willingness to have it change our heart and mind. It doesn't do us any good to hear these words and then to say, well, all right then. Jesus is coming back. The reason why these words are here is so that you can change your heart and mind now. So that you can experience life now. So that you can experience the, uh, the, 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 the idea of bringing other people so that they can know now. So that when he comes, we're not found our, finding ourselves going, I wish I had known. It is time for us to make this decision now, to respond now. Here Micah is asking or is responding to the question, what is our response? What do we do now? In Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be blessed with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And here's the, here's the most important verse. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? It's really no different than what Jesus said himself. You love God and you love people. It's really not that complicated. And if we've complicated it, maybe it's time for us to simplify. Maybe it's time for us to recognize that Jesus is not only calling to us so that we can be rescued, but he's calling us to assist others in being rescued as well as we point to him. We're called to love God and to love people. I find it interesting as you go through that passage, it talks about all of these outward displays of religion. Shall I make these sacrifices, which is what they did back then? Shall I give you my firstborn? And God says, no, I've given you my firstborn, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty of sin so that you can receive life and life everlasting. 